Hey Matt, let's take a page break. Welcome to Page Break. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Madison. And we are on episode five, Mads. We have come so far. I cannot believe we're already on five. It's really kind of weird, actually, because I was just like, well, we're on like episode three. Oh, God, we're on five. Well, look at us. I know. It feels like we just started. It really does. And it's and, and it's and it's really kind of nice because I feel like finally kind of get what our show's about. Right. <laughs> After all this time, we're just like, oh, we're just going to get very nitpicky about these scripts. And the thing about them, honestly, is that that's the best part of it. Those are the things that, like, make the overall emotional reaction to stuff so profound. Mm-hmm. So it's really fun, I think, to just really find the intricacies and just, like, the little baby little nuggets that honestly are not little and are incredibly profound. Which this show is full of. This show, and by the way, it's Madison's pick this week. So this show that Madison chose is incredible. Oh, I love it I have so never, much. I've never heard of this show before today. I'm so surprised. I've never seen this show before today. And I'm so glad that I am aware of it now because it is so fun, so funny, so raunchy, and just a fantastic time of British comedy. Madison, would you like to introduce your pick for this week? Yes, it is. Fleabag. You know that feeling when a guy you like sends you a text at 2 o'clock on a Tuesday night asking if he can come and find you? And then you open the door to him like you've always forgotten he's coming over. Oh. Which is a comedy, a dark comedy, written and created by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And she is a British comedian, writer, producer, actor, all the above. Not a one-trick pony and definitely not a stranger to comedy. And she created this show based off of a play, actually. Really? Yeah, it was a play that was originally set to be, like, this girl's life over three days, and it was just her and the audience. So there were no other characters in the play. So you can kind of see where the narrator, not narrator, but where it kind of shows that, you know, in in the TV show. Well, for sure, because, I mean, the, basically the the show takes the House of Cards style aside to the audience to a literal narrative level. It's not just these little snippets of things that are – I don't I, – th- there's a difference. Like, like I, the way House of Cards always would do their asides to the audience and breaking the fourth wall always seemed very, like – we're all in on this very subversive thing we're doing. Right. Uh, but it, it, it's, it never felt like somebody was actually talking to us. It sounded like writers were talking to us. Mm-hmm. And it was all plot related. It was all focused on story. But with Fleabag and with what Phoebe Waller-Bridge does with this character who we who <laughs> named Fleabag in the script is it feels like we are the only two people in on a joke. Right. And we're the only two people that understand what's going on. And it's a very personal experience, both reading and especially watching this uh, this pilot. Uh, it feels like it's something that's it's a very personal story and a very personal perspective that is being conveyed to us in the most direct way possible. 
Right. And it, it really goes to show that this whole thing is kind of like commentary on or just a show about like perspective because you oh, yeah. are seeing everything through her eyes but on a more literal level like including reality like you see reality through her but the way that they do it is so interesting because it it plays off of expectations and her own expectations about what her own life is like but then you are forced to see the letdowns you know when she mm-hmm. says one thing to you the audience and then you get to see along with her the letdown of like how grim reality really is right absolutely and it's and it's it's so funny about her as a character is that i honestly have a debate on whether or not she is a quote unquote good person right. question mark but she is definitely a sympathetic person. Mm-hmm. She is a person who I really enjoy spending time with and whose perspective is so specific that it's honestly just a joy to be in her head because in her head she is supremely confident and understanding of exactly the situations that she is in. And it's almost the counteractiveness of. Redo that. It's almost how it's so counterintuitive between how she is perceiving the world and how the world actually is. And that break of, I am supremely in control of all this. I'm self aware. I know it's 100% what's going on. I'm going to tell you the audience exactly what's going to happen and how it's going to happen. And we've all been there, right? And we know how this happens. We know when a guy comes over late at night and we're going to pretend that we, you know, have just, we're just walking out of the door and we're a little bit drunk and we're all shaved up and we're all clean. Oh, by the way, spoiler alert for um, anybody listening that has never seen this show or my parents uh, this show is incredibly raunchy. Pub? Slots. Wow. <laughs> and we are going to slip into some of that just because you can't not with this show. It's very, very crass, but it's very, very deliberate in its crassness. And it never uses crassness as a form of shock value. Uh, it's always very real to the characters and to the world and to the very British comedy that we're dealing with. But what Phoebe Rollabridge does is, from what I can tell, creates this weird balance of self-assuredness and complete and utter confusion and disarray and balances on that tightrope for the entire course of the story. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it really, the way she's able to characterize Fleabag is so fantastic because, I mean, it's a show about broken people and it takes that oh, yeah. brokenness and figures out a way to connect with the audience on different levels. Mm-hmm. Like definitely, I don't know. It, it's also interesting to watch her explore the characters through this lens of you know her caring, but not but not really caring. You know, because I think that's something that we can all relate to of like having to feel like you don't care what people think or that you have it all together. But then <laughs> when you see little moments of her facade begin to crumble quite literally when she looks at you the audience yes. she looks at the camera you get to see her throughout the episode and later throughout the season you get to see those moments where she breaks and those moments become a lot more profound well that's when you see the real 
her. Right. You see the her, but, but here's the thing also, it's so funny. It's not the real her. Because what this, what this pilot does so interestingly is it cl- has a clear distinction between three different versions of Fleabag. Mm-hmm. Fleabag when she's with her family, Fleabag when she's with the audience, and Fleabag when she is with her best friend, Boo. Oh, yeah. Who just recently died. Those, I, I would contend that the only times we ever see her as truly her are when she's with Boo because structurally... When she's with Boo, she never talks to the audience. Oh, yeah. It's almost as if Boo's death broke her. And now she has to have a best friend to talk to. And that best friend just happens to be the non-existent audience to her life. So something that's interesting about that is that she never confides in the audience. You know, yes, the audience is a friend or a best friend replacement, I guess you could say. Someone to talk to, I guess. But she also never lets us see, you know, the truth. She always, like, we are who she puts the front up to as well. Like, come in, like, look at how funny my life is. I'm going to tell you all about my life. And then when we accidentally see things from her, it's in her eyes or her connecting to another character. But she never fully connects with the audience. Well, there's also that very interesting sequence. So early on in the pilot, but (laughs) this is funny, earlier on in the show, but early on in the script, which I'm going to get to in a little bit, which I find very interesting. Yes. She has this interaction with a man on a bus. Rodent man. And that man is <laughs> classified as rodent guy uh, because he has a very distinctive front lip tooth situation. Uh, <laughs> That's a nice way to And it. it's very awkward on the bus, and they kind of, like, synchronize what they're doing very subconsciously, and it's, a, it's kind of a meet-cute, really. And she ends up getting his number, and it's very awkward and kind of sweet. Like, you can't, you can't really tell if this guy's, like, a genuine nice guy or, like, a quote-unquote nice guy. Right. Uh, but then later on, they end up going out for drinks. And this guy just kind of talks and has conversation, but... Fleabag doesn't respond to any of it. She is acting as if this man is the weirdest weirdo, the most outlandish, like, oh, my God, what are you doing? Why do you go outside the and talk this way? First date ever. But what's curious is that that's not who he is. Mm-hmm. And that's not what he's doing. But she's acting like he's being ridiculous. Right, because and he's then being she asks. Exactly. She asks, like, she's like, hey, I want to go home with you. I want to go to bed with you. And he's like. Oh no, I've got to get up early for work. She's like, "Oh no, it's fine. I'll I'll uh, I'll I'll pay for you a cab." And he's like, "You'll pay for a cab? That's 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 stupid." And he's like, "She's like, what is wrong with you?" Yeah, or we could just go back to mine. Wow. Um, thanks. Uh, I've actually got work uh, tomorrow, but um, another drink. Oh, well, here. we could just go back to yours. Got to be up really early. So. Well, let's get you a cab in the morning. It's ridiculous. Like, <laughs> okay, what the fuck is your problem? And in that entire the entire interaction is her in her internal fears and insecurities just flinging at this man who did nothing wrong. And then five minutes later, there's that amazing bit where a little bit earlier in the date, she had stolen 20, like 20 quid, I guess is what they call it in Europe from his wallet uh, because she's in a, having a failing business and really needs the money. And 
He doesn't see her do it. But then she storms off, and he reaches up and grabs her arm. She's like, don't touch me. And he's like, no, 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 you you drop this. And he holds up the money, mm-hmm. not knowing that she just stole it from him. And she has this moment of absolute self-hatred. Right. And she takes the money and keeps walking. Well, she doesn't know how to interact with guys like that because it's no just... No way. But, and that's what I mean by it's so fun to watch this character because it's so mm-hmm. relatable in a it's hard to be vulnerable kind of way, you know? Like, that's what's relatable to it, I think, is that we all understand that it's so hard to be vulnerable with other people. Well, it's hard, yeah, especially for her, because it's hard to be vulnerable after going through a tragic loss. Right. Like, even, and, and, you know, obviously, spoilers up and down this thing, but when you get to the end of the episode, and there's that, I'm I'm just going to read this. I'm just going to read... I'm just going to read the ending of this episode and the final interaction she has with this cab driver who's driving her home. Now, Mads, was this your favorite scene, perchance? It was absolutely my favorite scene. All right, Mads, I'll, um, in lieu of you having uh, some audio issues on your end, I will read the scene. So, interior taxi, night. Fleabag is in a taxi riding smoothly through London. Driver. A cafe, eh? Fleabag, yep. Driver, on your own? Fleabag, kind of. Driver, kind of. Cool, and then? I'm, I'm actually, I'm going to revert now and do it in a British accent. Oh, God. <laughs> Fleabag, it's kind of funny, actually. Driver, good. It'll keep me going. Shoot. Fleabag, I opened the cafe with my friend, Boo. Driver, cute name. Fleabag, yeah, she's dead now. She accidentally killed herself. It wasn't her intention, but it wasn't a total accident. She didn't think she'd actually die. She just found out her boyfriend fucked someone else and wanted to punish him by ending up at the hospital and not letting him visit her for a bit. She decided to walk into a busy cycle lane, wanted to get tangled up in a bike, break a finger maybe. But as it turns out, bikes go fast and flip you into the road. Three people died. (laughs) She was such a dick. He doesn't know what to say. She laughs. Fleabag. So yeah, kind of on my own. I opened the cafe with my friend Boo. Cute nine. Yeah. Yeah, she's dead now. She accidentally killed herself. It wasn't her intention, but it wasn't a total accident. She didn't actually think she'd die. She just found out that her boyfriend fucked someone else and wanted to punish him by ending up in hospital and not letting him visit her for a bit. She decided to walk into a busy cycle lane, wanting to get tangled in a bike, big finger maybe. As it turns out, bikes go fast and flip you into the road. Three people died. She was such a dick. That is how the episode ends. Oh, but the description afterwards is my favorite part. Oh, okay, great. Okay, okay, okay. I'll read that too. Uh, uh, kind of on my own. He looks at her in the rearview mirror. She drunkenly and sadly smiles. He drives in on, si- in on silence. Her coat falls open. She only has her bra on underneath. She pulls out the little tin sculpture of the woman with no arms. It sits on her lap. Two women, one real, one not, both with their innate femininity out. End. I love that line. <laughs> it's really nice, right? It's so poignant. It, it like, totally sums up her entire thing you know like she uses her sexuality to 
cope by putting it out there into the world, you right. know? Like, she only knows how to deal with things and relate to other people when it's using her sexuality. So she just Absolutely. walks around with it, like, out and, like, very much like that describes. And it's just such a great way to put it. It really is. Because it really, it has so much of Fleabag's character in this episode specifically is defined by her sexual interactions. Well, and honestly. it comes full circle, so I love that it ends on a more poetic way to put what happened in the very first scene, you know? Absolutely. It, it, it completely comes back to this is how she has kind of chosen to express herself in a weird way. So, like, As far as pilots go, I think that that was such a great decision. Oh, 100%. It's an incredibly... It's an odd way to end a pilot, but it's also, it's a melancholy, sad, mm-hmm. kind of awkward way to end the pilot, but it's very truthful to kind of the painting they're putting together with this story mm-hmm. and the canvas they're working with. And because this is a show that is not about warm and fuzzy moments. Right. It's about finding a true kind of connection with people through the awkwardness and through the misunderstandings and through, honestly, the shitty things that we do to each other but still coming back to each other in the end. So, I'm curious, what was your favorite scene then? My favorite scene was one little comic interaction. And it's very simple. It wasn't a huge kind of emotional moment. It is the, it is the interaction between Fleabag and her sister. Alright, so here's my, uh, okay... Here's my favorite uh, uh, scene in this pilot, um, which is when Claire and Fleabag are together in the in the auditorium, and Fleabag is talk now talking to the audience. Claire reads her Kindle. Fleabag stares at her. Fleabag to camera. The only thing harder than telling your super high powered rich anorexic super sister you have run out of money is having to ask her to bail you out. Pete, she looks at Clara. I'm going to ask her. Beat. I'm going to ask her. Beat. I'm just going to ask Claire. Do you need to borrow money? Fleabag. Petulant. No. It's a camera. Can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> so business is good then, Claire. Fleabag. Petulant. Yes. Really good. Really, really good. It's really good. Claire. Sounds like it is really good. Fleabag. It is. The only thing harder than having to tell your super high-powered, perfect, anorexic, rich super sister that you've run out of money is having to ask her to bail you out. I'm just going to ask her. I'm just going to ask her. I'm just going to ask her. I'm just going to come. Do you need to borrow money? No. Can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. So business is good then. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. It's really, really good. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> I get I, I, that is one of those things that I'm not so sure is on the page as much, but the scene and how they play that and how mm-hmm. she's just like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to ask her. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> that and honestly, like a page down. Um, see. Hang on, let me see. Where was that freaking scene? 
Um, where can you go? Oh, in the lecture hall. Let's see here. Um, oh, it's when the lecturer comes out to talk to all of them. It says, um, lecturer, gosh, look at all of you. Thank you so much for coming to Women Speak, opening women's mouths since 1998, which got a laugh when me and Kristen watched it. That's an awkward line. It's just an awkward way to put things. Uh, anyway, back to it. I'm overwhelmed by how many faces I see before me. What an honor. Now, before I begin, I want to ask you a question. The same question that inspired me to give this lecture. The same question that was posed to women all around this country with, well, frankly, shocking results. Now, I don't know about you, but I need some reassurance. A little laugh. So, I pose the same question to the women in this room today. Please raise your hands if you would trade five years of your life for the so-called perfect body. Fleabag and Claire raise their hands instinctively. Everyone stares at them. They put their hands down guiltily. Fleabag, whispering to Claire, We are bad feminists. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, it's so funny. It's so good. Um, my other favorite thing with... (laughs) Which I know we only pick one, but I will say my second favorite is the part in uh, where she <laughs> where she's explaining to the bus guy why she broke up with her boyfriend, and it oh shows god, us, right? Like her masturbating to President Obama's speech. That's so funny. That is so <laughs> unexpected and specific that it just comes out of nowhere, and you're like, "Is this really happening?" But the way that the uh, like her boyfriend plays it off like that actor nailed it like he was so serious oh, he's so great the whole time it's, it's like you were doing it you're like, doing it again the fact that it's again <laughs> i know it's so funny oh god I think you know what's also really funny is i like in that same kind of interaction with um with bus rodent um it's it's it, it cuts in it's it's the scene that cuts into the obama scene but then it cuts out of it he says um it says, bus rodent. Okay, this might sound a little crazy, but I think I should take your number, and I should call you and ask you if you're out for a drink with me. Fleabag. Um, I... Bus rodent. Fuck me. You've got a boyfriend. Fleabag. No, we actually broke up quite recently. Bus rodent. Oh no, I'm so sorry, slash, really, please. How the hell did he fuck that up? Fleabag. Uh... Cut to the Obama scene where the boyfriend leaves, and then cut back into the bus where Fleabag goes, Oh, he was just... He was really supportive of my work. He'd cook all the time, run bars, hoover, laugh at my jokes. He was great with my family and my friends loved him. Beat. Plus, he was really fucking affectionate. He laughs like she told a brilliant joke. Bus stops. Sounds like a dickhead. (laughs) (laughs) I love... That's what makes this show so successful as a comedy is her ability to take expectations and twist them and thwart them because i've that's just such an odd way to tell a joke Mm -hmm. but it's so well done and you know it makes me think about the fact that this was originally a play because if you think about the idea of like okay you have months of rehearsals and then you uh have months of performing it in front of a live audience, you know what jokes get laughs, you know how to deliver lines, mm-hmm. you're very familiar with the story and the character, and even if it gets changed or stretched out, because originally it was only three days, and now it's, right. you know, you have the rest of the world in on it, 
but it makes me wonder, you know, what that process was like. I know that she mentioned in an interview that it was incredibly hard, but it also had to be a lot easier as an actor to slip back into this person. And I think that that shows on the screen, you know, like she's right. so uh, confident in this character. A hundred percent. And it, it, it is very much a personal kind of feeling out of a person that it, it, it's, it's, I mean, there's a reason why a lot of comedians end up playing characters that are very similar to themselves. Mm-hmm. It's if you're because was she a comedian before this or was she just a playwright? Like, what was what's um, her story? She, I don't know a whole lot about her, but she's just she's a writer. I mean, she wrote and created Killing Eve and oh wow, crashing. Yeah, no. She's, oh wow. Okay, she's well that's that's serious. That's fantastic. Yeah. But like, it's so it, it, when you can be funny in a personal way. In a way that you can literally dig from your own subconscious and your own worries and your own fears and your own life. That's where the the best comedy comes from, especially when it comes to this kind of sitcom. Not a sitcom, but like this short-form, 30-minute format kind of thing. Right. And I also like the way that, and I guess you'll notice this later if you decide to keep watching, but the way that they... Which I did, for the record. Did I, I did continue. I watched the next two episodes. Oh, so good. So good. If you keep watching... It's short enough, and the way they've structured the story, it almost works as a movie, like an hour and a half movie. Yeah. Because it, it totally does. It's not too episodic to where it's it doesn't fit into a right. timeline, but it's also not super reliant on plot. You know. No, it's very much. It's very reliant on. It's a very character-driven piece of writing. It's it's incredibly focused on little victories that Fleabag kind of gains. And honestly, little defeats and little betrayals and little bad decisions. Because Fleabag doesn't make a lot of right decisions. She's wrong a lot. Right. And which makes her honestly so incredibly endearing is that yes. the show never paints her beyond anything but what she is. Mm-hmm. Which is a broken person really wanting to be like her super high-powered anorexic married sister. Mm-hmm. But her super high-powered anorexic married sister is as messed up as she is. Right. Now, you want, you want, you want to talk about the, uh, my favorite structural change from page to screen? Ooh, yeah. There is some, there's a pretty prominent one in the beginning. For sure. There is. And that's the one I want to talk about. It is the asking for a loan at the bank with the sexual assault allegations. Yes, that's um, a huge thing. It's a huge change. So in the script proper, there's the opening sequence with Guy You Like, where he comes over and then they have sex and then uh, <laughs> they end up having anal sex. And then you get to the immortal line from Fleabag, which goes directly to title where she says, to camera, with fear. Do I have a massive asshole? Title, Fleabag. It's amazing. It's brilliant. In the script, we jump immediately into the office of a bank where Fleabag is there trying to get a business loan from a bank that has a history of sexual harassment allegations against women. So this bank is honestly desperate to try to get some women on their, like, loan sheet to kind of fix their reputation. So this is brilliant for many reasons, not the least of which is it shows how desperate Fleabag is, that this is where she's going for a business loan. Right. 
And it's a very funny little scene where it's very awkward. She's very sweaty and just like like she just ran from the bus. And then in a moment where – let me see. I'm just going to read the bit. Man. Yeah. There are one or two details that need to be ironed out and a couple more bits and pieces I'm going to need to see. It says here that you open the cafe with a partner in Fleabag pulls her top above her head, realizes she hasn't got a top on underneath, and pulls it back down again. Man. Uh, okay. Um, beat. I'm sorry, that won't get you very far here anymore. Fleabag. Oh no, sorry, I thought I had a top on underneath, man. Yeah, okay, but Fleabag. No, in this case, genuine accident. Man, with our history, I understand why you might have thought. Fleabag. No, it wasn't trying to- Jesus, it- I was hot! Man, I'll take this sort of thing very seriously now. Fleabag. No, I'm not trying to shag you. Look at yourself. <laughs> Beat. Man. Okay, please leave. <laughs> Which then goes further along where she asks him to leave, and it goes back and forth. Right. Um, and then you cut... Then you go into the bus scene with uh, Bus Rodent. But the pilot episode as is is very different where... It puts the bus rodent sequence directly after the, um, do I have a massive asshole? <laughs> and moves the bus, moves the bank sequence to after that, after right. her interaction with, with bus rodent. Which makes um, a lot more sense. It really does. It's a much better placement for that sequence. I mean, even just like timeline wise, so that you don't feel like you're skipping around. Right. Now you like, you're. You're keeping up with the narrative of... Because she runs away at the end of that. And in the script, when she's running toward is the women's lecture. Right. Um, I believe it's yeah, the women's lecture. So. But in the pilot proper, it makes a lot more sense that she's actually running to her bank meeting because she's hot and sweaty in her bank meeting. Which is In the script, it's kind of just out of left field that she's all hot and sweaty. We have no reason to know why. Which makes it so much funnier... That, oh yeah. You know she's running to a bank to get a loan for her business, and she ends up getting accused of sexual assault, and then immediately so has funny. to go to a feminist hall lecture. Oh, it's so great. <laughs> like it just makes a lot more sense, and I'm glad that they it changed does. that. I like that too, and I also like how they don't explain that why her cafe is guinea pig themed. Yes. That that is a thing that comes in in episode two mm-hmm. because it's tied directly to Boo. Right. Like that to me is very, very smart. Like the moments where we actually have some real emotion are all focused around Boo and all focused around their friendship. And I think that is incredibly profound and very personal because it's the only time we actually see the real Fleabag. Right. I love those, I love those moments. I love that stuff because that's what humanizes her. You take that away, this show is not good. You take away those moments where she's remembering. You take away the moments where she's sad and has to deflect with other emotions and actively fight the melancholy, just complete and utter sorrow at the death of her friend for a stupid reason. The show is just a woman cursing to the audience and being raunchy about her family. But again, I love the moments, and arguably the whole thing is full of these moments, of watching her up against reality like oh of course absolutely so there's that moment where she um finds the drunk girl sitting on the curb yes and it says there's an incredibly drunk this is like literally from the 
the text. Yeah. So, and I love the way she writes because it's just so like to the point. Um, and I think her directness in her writing allows for the comedy to kind of seep through. Um, it says, yeah. there is an incredibly drunk girl sitting on the curb. Fleabag watches her. Drunk girl suddenly slips off and crashes to the floor. Her bag empties over on the floor. Her boob falls out of her top. Fleabag helps her back up and puts her boob back in. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that she puts her boob back in. It's so sweet. It was like, like it's funny, but it also mirrors her emotional state. It really does. Girl, that drunk girl who we were collectively judging then judges Fleabag and asks, yes. are you okay? And then later on, just when, she, when Fleabag asks her to go home with her, she's like, yes. oh, you're a naughty boy, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> like, you have these moments where you think you know what's going on and then it twists yeah. it. And it's not yeah. always for comedy's sake. Like, sometimes no, the not twist at all. is the dark part. And I, I love yeah. that it swoops in and out of of both emotions at the same time. I do too, because it creates a re it feels it doesn't feel like reality, but it feels truthful. Mm-hmm. Um which I honestly think a lot of British comedy is actually so good at. It's getting to the heart of human sadness and laughing through it. Mm-hmm. Which to me that last scene where she's telling the taxi driver about how her friend died completely encapsulates right it's all in that laughing at the demise of your friend because what else are you gonna do cry what what does that do yeah and it's almost like it's almost like an odd practicality to laugh at tragedy right and i think that it it makes me wonder about um how how she imagined the this character. Like, I really wish I could sit mm-hmm. down and have a conversation with her. <laughs> yeah, for because sure. Because it's such a strong character. It makes me wonder, like, how did you tap into this w- strange, like, vulnerable side of this woman? Like, because right. I see a lot of shows trying to do this, but it comes mm-hmm. across as very general, like, very generic yeah. comedy about women and sexuality and mental health yeah. and what it means to be a woman and have all this happen and it tries to be that way but it's also very vague and it you feel like you could insert actress here and it could be the same no matter who plays the role but with this it it seems like she's a real person and it's not just because she's a fantastic actress but it's because of the characterization like that like the characterization is there right it's it's, it's a real person and a real actress but a real because of a real, unavoidable, undramatic, kind of just painfully realistic course of events that led to her friend just dying in the worst way for a stupid reason. Right. And it's that kind of chaoticness of life that she seems to embrace now because, fuck it, my friend died trying to break her finger. <laughs> So what's the point? Right. And I think the show, a lot of the show seems to be her figuring out what the point actually is and climbing back out of that pit. I love that you loved it so much. I really loved it. Because I don't always know what's going to connect with other people and other people (laughs) feeding 
specifically male other people. That's completely understandable, actually. Because I was wondering, like, to me, this is, like, objectively funny. Like, this is... Yes, it is. The quintessential female experience, almost. Mm -hmm. Um, Give or take a few experiences. But it is (laughs) quintessentially female. So... Yes. The fact that you can then watch this and feel just as connected to it really shows you just that it's about humanity and not about being female. It really is. And also, honestly, and comedy and storytelling is about empathy right. and about seeing other views that you can't, you've you never experienced and coming to terms mm-hmm. with them and finding the cornerstone, bedrock humanity within them and empathizing and growing through that. And I think shows like this that show this other perspective are so valuable for that very reason. Right, and that kind of goes back to, you know, the fact that it's not that generic comedy that I talked about. It's very specific, and it's very confident in the character, and not just, here's what happened, and here's, like, a little bit about her, and, you know, it's not just a stock character that you're getting some Hollywood actress to try and portray. No way. It is a character that is so specific. It could be somebody that you freaking know. Yeah, definitely. And it's and no 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 bland generic story ever mm-hmm. really made an impact on anybody. It's also such a specific story. Like she got run over in the bike mm-hmm. lane, like and the guinea pig cafe. Like it's so yep. specific that you think it would alienate people. Like how do you relate to this? Like this is just right. so absurd and outlandish and exaggerated but it's not at all it's not and i think a because lot of it has c- to do with like with the fact that it was that play because i feel like a lot of plays try to strive for that type of content they seem to try to strive for a very specific narrow view mm-hmm. that will encapsulate a lot of depth right and not a broad world view that's very shallow mhm and that is, I think, exactly what Fleabag is. It is, a, it is a very pinpoint view of this one woman's life, but it goes so deep, and it is so profound, and there's so much to mine out of it on a cultural, political, spiritual, sexual level that it's fucking hilarious, but, but also incredibly profound, which is what the best comedy does. Yeah, I, I absolutely love it, and I can't wait to see more. I love it too, and honestly, if you're listening to this and you've never heard of this or seen this, please go watch it. It's on Amazon Prime. It's it's very easily readily available. Do not pirate it, for the love of God. We here at Page Break have a very hard, fast policy of nobody pirate shit. Do not pirate your TV. Do not pirate your movies. If you want something... Pay the creators who did it because, damn it, this show is anything. It is a celebration of creators and writers and storytellers, and they deserve money for the work that they do. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Speaking of that, the way Fleabag got made into a TV show and how it ended up on Amazon is pretty funny. How's that? Well, not funny, but I think it's interesting because, you know, how things get made, I guess, Mm -hmm. because I'm interested in this field. But also, it's just... She did the play in, I think she, I think it was in Manchester, could have been in, yeah. in Scotland at the time, but she was touring this play, and uh, the BBC sent someone to go see it, and they yeah. offered her a chance to write a pilot for the BBC. Oh, wow. 
And she jokingly said that, you know, they paid her 10, 10 pounds to write the pilot. <laughs> That's amazing. So she wrote a pilot for the BBC, and they liked it so much that they, you know, let her make it. But she said that the pilot came about in such a great way because there just happened to be a bunch of production people in, in London at the time with some free time. She was like, this never yeah. happens, but it happened. A lot of my friends were interested in helping me out because they liked the script and everyone just happened to have the time to make the pilot. Oh, so wow. she was like, we were able to make something that looked fantastic on a much smaller budget because of the circumstances. Wow. So the pilot fan ended up being fantastic, and so the BBC was like, we have to make this, like, this is great, but, you know, we don't have the budget to keep going. Like, we can't give you these cameras for a whole season. Like, we can't right. afford to keep going on this level, but we really like it. So then Amazon came by and offered to match the budget if they could put it on Amazon. So Amazon oh, wow. helped fund the rest of the seasons. Good for you, Amazon. Yeah. And so she had nothing but good things to say about Amazon and said that, you know, they kind of just trust the creator and that that was really nice of them. That's fantastic. Kudos to you, Amazon. You helped give us something that is truly beautiful and hilarious and it's something that I'm very glad that I have been introduced to because it is a truly butterfly-like, beautiful snowflake <laughs> of a piece of writing and storytelling that I never would have come around to otherwise if you had not shown me Madison. So I want to thank you for this, and it's a fantastic pick for this week. Yay, thank you. All right, Mads, let's wrap her up. For Page Break this week, I'm Jeremy. And I'm Madison. And break. <laughs>